what I have learned so far. This trip has, so far, brought me almost exactly halfway around the world from where I started. It has been great fun, adventure, experience, and offered wonderful insights into different cultures. But it hasn't taught me much about humanity that I didn't already know. It has confirmed a lot that I already suspected. People everywhere and anywhere are a lot more similar than different. Most are trying to be decent and happy, but all have different definitions of what decent and happy mean. There are a small number of seriously self-centered assholes, but even they are also just hunting happiness in their own warped fashion. The nice people can be awfully cruel at times. Cruel people are occasionally nice. No one gets out alive but most folks act as if death only happens to other people. There is very little real consciousness of mortality going on. Actually, there is precious little consciousness going on at all. Folks seem to do a lot of life habitually and without any deep awareness of their thoughts or actions. Very few realize how many choices they have. Many folks seem busier strangling life's opportunities with irrelevant and often inaccurate historical misinformation than are actually taking advantage of those opportunities. They don't realize that a lot of what is called tradition turns out to be no more than peer pressure from dead people, and that it lacks any valuable or even real substance. They seem swept away by the current of life, like a body trapped in the current of a wide river. They don't realize that there are banks on both sides of any river that we can swim to, climb ashore, and find golden new possibilities waiting for us. Most people have been hypnotized by the commercial and political nuances of their culture into believing that their remedy is somewhere outside of themselves. Those misleading nuances, like the people themselves, are more similar than different no matter what culture they travel through. Many folks get trapped for a lifetime in these external pursuits of well-being. Few realize that all solutions are within. Many are aware that there is something wrong but just can't figure out what that something is. The historical Buddha is often misquoted as having said that life is suffering. But the word dukkha that he used is more accurately translated as dislocated or out of joint, in the manner of a dislocated shoulder or collarbone. Many folks give lip service to the well-known fact that love is the answer. They mouth it often. They feel it a little more on Sundays and at Christmas, but have trouble putting it into consistent application during the rest of their week, and the rest of their living. They know where the best stuff is but are disjointed, dislocated from it. Pain will happen in life but suffering is often optional, or at least adjustable. Reconnecting with the bigger thing eliminates the dislocation from it. That re-established connection often supersedes and modifies the previous connection to suffering. It doesn't matter whether one tags the bigger thing as Jesus, Allah, Buddha, Xenon the Invader, the Field, the Force, or Self. Drive any car you want that will get you to the destination. Regardless of which teacher or system is used, the quality of attention paid by the student is a good deal more important than who the teacher is. Consciousness needs to be intentionally tuned into and is therefore, on several levels, self-consciousness. More people every day are starting to realize we are at a crucial point in history. They can figure out later that those tag systems were almost all symbolic and very little was literal. They can wait just a bit to come to grips with the fact that they have to do the internal work in order to enjoy more humane qualities, not wait for someone or something supernatural to do it for them. But Earth is very near immediate crisis mode. Even paying serious attention to a truly positive belief can do nicely as a vehicle on the road to improving life right now, saving the environment as soon as possible, and an objectively sound wisdom in the future. That wisdom in the future will include the courage to simply say, I don't know. Admitting that we don't know a lot of things will eliminate the need for blindly believing in unfounded, unrealistic stories that dead people just flat up made up a long time ago. Believing in fairy tales can give us a false sense of an actually non-existent security. It disfigures objective reality. Many of these stories were control devices designed to tame and civilize, or intimidate and rule, unruly populations. 
Others may well have been meant symbolically and are still brilliant metaphorical lessons. But history shows that over a period of centuries, a lot of material that was meant to be metaphorical got concretized, bent to individual purposes, and sloppily translated. Look what happens in three minutes to a message running through a chain of ten kids playing telephone. Give that process a couple of dozen centuries, or even months, and what fragments of the original message remain may no longer have any resemblance to the actual original message. The good part is that everybody wants to get love and life right, even if they are not consciously aware of it. That desire may see very little practical application in the modern world at times, but an increasing number of folks are realizing that they do want to be improved, happier, nicer versions of themselves. Many are searching. There is hope. Every day, I see more people waking up. But also every day, another poor jackass is born and hypnotized from birth to think his life is so important that yours doesn't matter at all. These are the guys who manufacture the separations that keep humanity from becoming itself. Things like sexual, religious, national, and ethnic differences are given such great importance in the physical-slash-material world. There is nothing, in mundane existence, wrong with the pleasures that these differences afford. There is not much wrong with the limited feeling of inclusion that these little clubs we belong to can give us, as long as they're not at the expense and degradation of any other little club. But these likes, dislikes, preferences, accidents of birth, and so on have no place in the world of consciousness, and it is insane to let them overpower the total inclusiveness that pure consciousness entails. I have seen a lot of human inconsistency everywhere while traveling around the world. There doesn't seem any sense in being an optimist or a pessimist. I'm a realist. It appears that we can go either way. Everything can work out just fine or humanity can become extinct in short order. Most folks are nice. Everything depends on whether those nice folks can muster the inspiration, power, and intelligence to make the few nastier people see reason. That's going to take some doing because in order to help anyone else do that job efficiently, the nice folks will first have to do a version of it on themselves. The mechanics of the bigger thing dictate that things work the way Gandhi did. A mother came to the Mahatma and asked him to get her sugar-addicted child off the sugar. Gandhi told her to come back in two weeks with the boy. She did. Mahatma talked to the boy and the child stopped eating sugar from that day on. The mother asked, why did you have me wait two weeks? Gandhi answered, two weeks ago, I was on sugar. The nice folks will also have to be careful to not become just like those nasty people. It happens sometimes. People have often killed tyrants and then become tyrants. Revolution, by dictionary definition, means you end up back where you started from. Evolution, on the other hand, puts your way of living somewhere else. Somewhere else would, in almost every non-physical sense, be a good place for all of humanity to move to, especially that nastier fraction of humanity. We are a unit. Whether you are basically nice or nasty, like man or woman ass, are born black or white, or are from the eastern or western hemisphere, we now have no functional choice but to realize the depth of what the American patriot Patrick Henry said in the 1770s. Regarding the revolution against England, he advised his compatriots that we must hang together or we will surely hang separately. Now that we are facing the extinction of the human species on so many fronts, environmental, warrior-slash-political-slash-nuclear, a potentially fatal overpopulation and draining of resources, and more, Patrick Henry's words are more important to live by than ever. If you missed the intro to this third book, that the above piece is from, and would like to see it, go to the Puppy website blog section, or WordPress, or send an email request to jabuta13 at hotmail.com This is a book in progress. You are seeing it here as I write it. And as it says in the intro, it is a totally true story and may be the only book ever written by a corpse. The book's fearless puppy on American Road and reincarnation through common sense by this same author, as well as sample chapters by, 
very entertaining TV slash radio interviews with, and newspaper articles about him are available at http://www.fearlesspuppy.info.